Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 231 of the podcast, or you're joining us live on Facebook or YouTube. We are fresh off of the action from UFC 259. Jan Blachowicz putting his light heavyweight title on the line against the middleweight champ Israel Adesanya. Today's Sunday, March 7th, by the way, for those uh, keeping track. Before we get into this card... Let me introduce all the way from Chile, New Jersey, repping the Henzo Gracie Academy, Jeff, the animal Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling on this Sunday afternoon, my man? Bill, I'm good. And speaking of Henzo Gracie, Bill, I'm going to start training again in the summer when all this vid nonsense calms down because... Uh, <laughs> The shirt's not fitting the way it used to when I first bought it. <laughs> yeah, kid, you gotta get, gotta get back in there, and get some, get some rolls in. Yeah, I mean, some, I could. What are you say? Some rolls, some rolls to take care of the rolls. Yeah, Bill. I mean, I could probably handle Izzy Adesanya on the ground right now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's because I'd use the Jan Blahovich strategy and just pancake him on the floor. There you go. It works. Obviously, it works. Yen's still the champ. Um, before we get into uh, MMA stuff, Jeff, I'm in a good mood today. It's a beautiful day here in Florida. It's like 65 degrees, sunny outside. Just came from the park with my wife and my daughter, and I. I've been struggling a little lately because I feel like there's so much negativity going on, but um, I've been really trying to focus on positive things. You know, I'm always trying to, to recenter uh, the way I'm thinking uh, about positive topics. And there's been a lot of good things happening to good people around me. And that's one of the things that I like to see the most. I like to see uh, good people, good friends uh, having success in life and, and seeing good things happen for them. So first of all, I want to give a huge shout out to my buddy, Dave Mundell, friend of the show, been on here a few times, professional mixed martial artist, professional bare knuckle boxer, just received his black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu on Thursday night from professor Jeff Bailey and uh, the, the Gracie Tampa system here. So the lineage of Matt Arroyo, Rob Kahn, Hoist Gracie. And um, couldn't be happier for him. Dave's a good friend. I've known him for many years now. I've trained with him a long time. Well-deserved. Uh, obviously, a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a huge accomplishment. It's something that less than 1% of people who start Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu actually achieve. Uh, couldn't be happier for him. I, I was glad I was able to be there in person. My buddy Earl also got his purple belt on Thursday. Uh, that's a that's definitely a big deal because a lot of people don't reach the level of purple belt. Uh, so congratulations to Earl. Then we have my good friend, Mr. Steve Maraboli, who's been on the show several times. He's in Dallas, Texas right now at the IBJFF. Took first place in Gi, second place in the Gi Absolute. And then today he took first place in No Gi and first place in No Gi Absolute. So... Steve is a freaking stud. I think it's about time he gets his purple belt. Um, obviously, he's due because he keeps crushing these tournaments. So big shout out to Steve Maraboli on the big win. Uh, and then finally, 
the the last one. I, I'm glad I have so many positive announcements this week. Uh, grand opening of MJM Muay Thai took place yesterday in Largo, Florida. Um, my friend, my training partner, my coach, my Muay Thai coach, my I guess employer um, opened a new gym facility, and it's absolutely beautiful, Jeff. Two big mat spaces, brand new heavy bags, two boxing rings, weightlifting area. It, it's it's such an awesome space to train, uh, and there's so much positive energy in the gym right now that it's really motivating. It's really fun to be around, uh, and I couldn't be happier for Matt. He's such a good guy. His Muay Thai skills are so legit. He's a crew, which is K-R-U, which is um, – you know, the Thai ranking of master, professor, um, you know, the equivalent of professor in jiu-jitsu. He's a crew under Mark Delagrati, the famous Mark Delagrati, uh, who if, if you've been watching the UFC for a long time, you're definitely familiar with that name. You know, he, he coached Kenny Florian and, and countless other UFC fighters and, um, you know, super legit Muay Thai uh, Muay Thai guy and Mark Delagrati. So I couldn't be happier for Matt because it was, it was just a year ago, Jeff, like, um, maybe a little over a year, right before the pandemic that he was teaching lessons in his driveway. I used to drive down to his house and at first it would be me and him, you know, I would hold pass for him. He would hold for me. And then it was three or four people. And then it was 10 or 11. I think at one point there was like 15 or 16 people in his driveway in the rain with a tarp over his driveway. And now he's got a beautiful new facility. Um, so it, it, it's really a story of like started at the bottom. Now he's here. So lots of congratulations to give out uh, on this Sunday afternoon, Jeff. And and that puts me in a good mood because there's so much, there's so much negativity out there that, um, you know, it's hard to stay focused on the positive sometimes. So I'm really happy to see, you know, good things happen and good people. Uh, what do you got going on in your world, Jeff? Hey, Bill, that's awesome, dude. Um, <clears throat> uh, as for me, I'm just glad that the weather's starting to warm up out here, dude. Um, next Sunday is the end of daylight uh, shavings time. So, <laughs> daylight shavings? <laughs> yeah, you shave off a couple of hours. Oh, I thought it's when you have to stop shaving at night. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it's daylight savings, right? Oh, really? Have I been pronouncing it wrong this, this entire time? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, are you fucking with Bill, me? Are you shaving me? You know, it's not daylight shavings. <laughs> Bill, I've pre- nobody's ever corrected me. Probably because it's too hilarious that you call it daylight shavings. I thought it's because you shaved off a few minutes uh, during the winter. Oh, Jeff. This is why you're so lovable. Oh, man. But anyway, Bill. um, So it'll be the normal time again next Sunday. And, you know, I'm just glad things are starting to warm up a little bit uh, here in New Jersey. So it'll be, you know, a good chance to, like, go out and about uh because bill you know get the the at-home workouts they're starting to get a little boring so it'll be nice to uh to be able to go around the block uh check out some uh some neighborhood park stuff there's a there's a big park by me bill i think you've been there once or twice um and mark fellows asked daylight shavings so yeah um mark i don't know if they do this in australia but um for some reason, in the United States, every winter, 
we set the clocks back an hour. I think he's just laughing at the fact that you say shavings. It has to do with uh, with how farmers would grow crops, so they would have more daylight to, to do they that. Were, they were tired of shaving in the dark, so they were like, hey, we should really start doing this in the daylight. All we have is these oil lanterns. It's really hard to shave in the dark. We need some daylight shavings. That's it, man. Uh, yes, they they do have daylight shavings in Australia. Maybe they, they'll start calling it that. I like I like your way, Jeff. Maybe we should change it. They also, Bill, use the American dollar as their currency, in case nobody knew that. I think most places take the American dollar. It it uh, it holds up pretty well. Uh, I, I've done quite a bit of traveling, and I don't think I've been anywhere that doesn't accept American money. Um, yeah, so Mark says he's looking forward to the UFC 259 recap because he's too, he was too drunk to remember it. I don't know if you're in the right place, Mark, because I I definitely had my beer goggles on last night too. But uh, I'll do my best to to recap this. I mean, we were celebrating the opening of the new gym. We ordered the pay per view at um, at Crew Matt McCusker's gym last night. It was a good time. We had a projector up on the wall. You know, we all sat on the mats, had a couple of beers. Um, so yeah, it was cool. It was it was definitely fun. Um, into this card, Jeff. Let's start at the top. So, uh, Jan Blahovich, the current light heavyweight champion, probably one of the most underappreciated fighters on the roster. I think it's fair to say. You know, when when people are talking about like all the pound for pound best fighters out there, he's often left out of that conversation. And you know, it, it's kind of unfair because the guy the guy is a total stud. I mean, he's a monster in there. Really powerful striking, really slick grappling, good wrestling, uh, as we saw last night. Anyway, he put his championship on the line against uh, the middleweight champ, Israel Adesanya, and he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to take that challenge from the, the lower weight class guy coming up um, it, and and almost kind of mocking you know, the light heavyweight division, saying he wasn't going to put on weight. He was going to weigh 193 pounds, wound up uh, weighing in just over 200 pounds. Um, but yeah, Yan didn't have to take that fight, but he is a real champion. He takes on all all challengers. Um, I, I felt like the fight was a little bit one-sided in that, you know, Blahovich was doing a lot more damage. Um, obviously, the takedowns were huge. He, oh, I think 15 more seconds in this fight, and he would have finished Adesanya. Uh, he was dropping some huge Polish hammers uh, on Adesanya, and it, it looked like he was almost out, Jeff. I think a few goes, he was in a position where he had him a really high mount, and he he wasn't getting anywhere. I think all three judges gave Lehovich a 10-8 round in that fifth round, rightfully so. Obviously, the fourth round was all Blahovich. I scored the second round for him as well. I gave the third round to Adesanya, and the first round I gave it to nobody because I, I didn't feel like anything really happened. They were just kind of circling around each other like old-timey boxers. Um, but give me your thoughts on this main event here, Jeff. Yeah, Bill. Um, I love the strategy from Jan Blahovich. I think, like you said, not enough people talk about him in the 
upper echelon of UFC champions. But Bill, yesterday he showed his fighter IQ, man. Um, you know, that first round, it looked like they were feeling each other out a little bit. The second round I gave to Blahovich because I felt like he had more output. He landed the harder shots. But Izzy was finding his rhythm at the end of that second round, which is getting a little scary. I was a little mm -hmm. worried in that third round because Izzy was landing some good shots. Uh, mm -hmm. It looks like he had Blahovich hurt once or twice. Mm -hmm. um, did a great job of not getting taken down early. And then Jan Blahovich um, dropped a different strategy on him in the fourth round. Uh, immediately was able to uh, kind of change levels a little bit. Uh, not the best level change in the world, but, you know, that that extra weight uh, made it so easy for him to just kind of run into Adesanya's hips yeah. and, and uh, put him down. And, Bill, um, as a bigger guy, I loved seeing the top control from Jan Blahovich. You know, he went into half guard, uh, mm -hmm. didn't really affect him, didn't phase him. Um, I would, it looks a couple of times like he could have gotten a crucifix position and kind of did to him what a uh, DC did to Vulcan Ozdemir, just elbowed him from the crucifix position. That would have mm -hmm. been cool. But, um, I felt like Jan Blahovich, the strategy was great, especially towards the end of that fight. And, um, uh, you know, the commentators kept talking about how in the fifth round, Blahovich was breathing heavy. Um, but so was Adesanya. You know, Adesanya mm -hmm. had a lot more work to do. And, Bill, I think you're right, man. I think uh, a couple more seconds and Izzy would have been out. So, Izzy crazy for going up <laughs> to 205 for this fight. Bill. Um, yeah, I mean, it It definitely takes a, a certain level of crazy to get in there at all. Uh, so, the fact that he went in there and knowingly fought a bigger guy without putting weight on, yeah, probably a little bit crazy. And, you know, his... He the way he was talking about it wasn't wrong. He was saying like you know I want to have my speed advantage and which he did have and you know Blahovich was biting on a lot of Izzy's feints. You know every time Izzy flicked his hips, uh, Blahovich was reacting. And um, but you know the champ showed why he's the champ. He he was patient and when his game plan wasn't working on the feet, he made adjustments. He took him down. He controlled him there. I liked that he didn't fully pass the guard. I liked that he stayed in a half guard even though. Adesanya was clearly opening his half guard so that he could bump his hips up once Yan tried to pass. Um, I think that was his plan, but he didn't have a plan B. He didn't have a way to get off the ground from half guard. Uh, you could tell he has, you know, some some hip escapes from side control, but I think that's why Blahovich wanted to stay in half guard, uh, which is an old school wrestling tactic. You know, Randy Couture used to love staying in half guard. He said he would like anchoring down his opponent's hips while he was beating their face in. Um, because once you pass the guard, you're not putting as much pressure down on the hips. Uh, and in MMA, it's a little bit easier to, to scoot out. Uh, whereas in, you know, like wrestling or jujitsu, that's a very dominant position. It's, it's not so much because if you're taking, if you're taking leverage off the upper part of the body to throw the strikes, um, you know, then they're able to get uh, leverage underneath their hips. So very smart strategy by Blahovich staying in the half guard to, to kind of hammer Izzy out. Um, and I, I thought he looked great, man. And, uh, you know, even after the fight, it, um, you know, I feel like 
Blahovich still isn't getting the respect he deserves. You know, people were complaining about the scorecard, saying it should have been a little closer. Apparently, on on two of the judges' scorecards, they only gave Adesanya the third round. I don't have a problem with this. Um, like I said, nothing happened in the first round. Flip a coin for all I care. Blahovich clearly won the second, and he definitely won the fourth and fifth. Um, and, and the fifth being a 10-8 on all three judges' scorecards. I didn't have a problem with the scoring. Um did, did you, what did you think of the way the fight was scored, Jeff? And uh, anything else on this main event before we move on? Uh, Bill, I mean, I'm good either way. I I thought it was a little bit closer just because I gave that first round to uh, Adesanya, but uh, I could totally entertain the argument of a 10-8 round for Jan Blahovich in the fifth, uh, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was hearing you talk about the finish and, um, yeah, you know, he had Izzy in a really bad spot. He would, like you said, he was high up on the chest, um, almost on Adesanya's shoulders. And, you know, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not hipping out from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, once they're that high up, you gotta, you gotta like get out from under them or something. And Izzy was not in a position to do that. Uh, but yeah, Bill, uh, like you said, I like that. Uh, I also like that, uh, that he, Stayed in the half guard. Uh, I'm a fan of that too. But also, I like that he didn't go to full mount right away because um, you give your opponent uh, there's like your there's less of your weight on them. Uh, in it's not as spread out. You know, um, people have a chance to kind of hip out from there, which is what Izzy was looking to do. So I like mm-hmm. that he left it for the end. As soon as he heard that there was 10 seconds left, you know, he heard those uh, those wooden claps. Um, that's when he jumped up into full guard and just started wailing on him. Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. Nice finish by the champ. Uh, as far as what's next, you know, there's a lot of, uh, up and comers moving up in the light heavyweight division. Uh, and Adesanya said that win or lose, he was going to go back to middleweight. Um, you know, where there's, there's quite a few challenges to, depending on how the next couple of fights go. You know, we have, uh, Marvin Vittori, uh, Darren Till, Robert Whitaker, and, um, Who's the fourth one? Uh, um, I don't know. Mar- so Vittori's fighting Till, right? Izzy? I didn't know that. No, he's not fighting Izzy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Izzy just yeah, fought he, last night, Jeff. Can, but they already fought each other, and Marvin Vittori won that first fight, Bill. I don't care what anybody says. Um, well, I mean, you should care what the two judges who scored it for Israel Adesanya say. Yeah, I, I'm interested in the, in the Vittori Adesanya rematch. Uh, I'd like to see that come together. I think, uh, it's Whitaker, uh, against Paulo Costa. Thanks, Mark. The, the third man on the broadcast coming through. Um, <laughs> so Whitaker versus Costa and then Vittori versus Till, um, I got to say, I'm not interested in the Costa rematch. I'm not interested in the Whitaker rematch. Um, I would be interested in the Vittori rematch, and I think Darren Till versus Israel Adesanya would be so much fun. Just the build-up to the fight alone would be hilarious. Yeah, but I think uh, I think that uh, it doesn't go well for Darren Till. Well, I, I do. I would like the build-up. I think the media coverage would be awesome. Yeah, it would be great. Just the, the press conferences. Darren Till and Adesanya going back and forth would be great. He'd be like, I don't care. I'm not fucking fighting him in New Zealand. I don't fucking care. 
<laughs> you want me to fucking fight New Zealand? Well, I don't want to. <laughs> did, did he say he was scared of somebody at middleweight? Who was he scared of? Uh, was it Yoro Romero? I, I don't even understand what he's saying most of the time. We, we speak the same language, funnily enough. No, I don't think that at all. <laughs> I don't know what Darren Till's speaking. It's not English. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, you know, a lot of fun stuff, you know, and then at light heavyweight, you got s- still people like Yuri Prochaska, who, you know, made a, an awesome impression in his UFC debut. And, and then people kind of forgot about him because of uh, the pandemic. He hadn't been fighting and everything, but I, I think he has a fight coming up as well. All right, let's move on. Co-main event. Mark, cover your ears, bud, because we got to cover this fight. Um, Megan Anderson submitted with a reverse triangle arm bar. Uh, but the fight was over long before that. Um, probably before these two ladies even stepped in the cage. Uh, Megan Anderson just looked very, very off, very off her game. Um, and of course you're in there with, you know, the greatest female fighter of all time. So there might, there may be a little bit of that Mike Tyson effect. Um, my buddy Eddie law on Twitter was saying that he thought something was off, maybe an injury or a bad weight cut or a bad rehydration for Megan. I wouldn't rule any of those things out. Um, it, I I was ex- I was expecting it to be a very one-sided fight but not not a mauling right out of the gate like that Jeff that was vintage Amanda Nunez when she used to always blow her gas tank out in the first round you know she came out real aggressive put Megan down hurt her bad and then you know did her a favor by submitting her honestly uh and you know, it's like Joe Rogan said in the post-fight interview, she created a problem for herself because she's cleaned out this entire division. There's not even rankings for this women's featherweight division because there's only like two or three actual featherweights in the UFC. Um, the, the rest are just bantamweights who are, who are capitalizing on an opportunity. Um, but give me your thoughts on this fight, Jeff. Bill, um, <clears throat> Um, man, after the first punch that really landed from Amanda Nunez, Megan Anderson did not want to be there, man. Uh, you know, her eyes got really wide after that first, like, really solid shot. Um, and, you know, she looked like a deer in headlights in there, man. Um, and it was crazy because she's got this massive frame. Uh, you know, she towers over Amanda Nunez. And Nunez was walking her down like it was nothing, man. Uh, so scary. Um, Mm -hmm. and Bill, like you said, uh, I think that was a mercy move. I think that was, uh, Amanda Nunez showing mercy because, um, you know, she was going to leave Megan Anderson unconscious if they stayed on the feet. But Mm -hmm. man, uh, I I don't know what you, I mean, you know, Amanda Nunez has done this to everybody. Cyborg, Ronda Rousey. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, she, she's got, like, sledgehammers for hands, man. The uh, only person she hasn't done it to is Kat Valentina Zingano. No, Valentina. And, yeah, and Kat Zingano, Bill. As I recall, Kat Zingano actually finished Amanda Nunez in the third round of their fight. But and that was, like, so, 10 years ago, and she's buried on the Bellator undercard now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, that's a moot point. That, that wasn't even the same Amanda Nunez. 
now it's like I, I don't think there's anybody that could beat her. I I I'll always be interested in the third fight with Shevchenko just because I'm not gonna bore you guys with telling you how I thought the first two went. Um, like I do every time I bring this up, but I I feel like it's the only fight is those two at, at 35. There's just nobody else. Um, obviously there's there's literally nobody at 45. Um, 35. There's a few contenders, but it's like they they can't put enough wins together in a row to get that title shot. You know, like Aspen Lad um, would would maybe be an interesting fight. No, um, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> well, don't, well, don't do that to them. Don't Jeff. do that to the listeners. <laughs> she would get her skull cracked open if she fought Amanda Nunez. <laughs> that wouldn't be entertaining, though. They would have to do a skull transplant from a cadaver <laughs> if she took one good shot from Amanda Nunez. Is that even possible? Can you have a uh, cadaver skull? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Bill. This is what Amanda Nunez does. She's created this ultimate ultimate where the only thing that you have is your consciousness, and even that is not guaranteed. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. I guess there's nothing then. Um, but congratulations to the champ, Amanda Nunez, who's just, you know, single-handedly dismantled the division. Um that was created for the woman that she knocked out and and Chris Cyborg. Um, all right, let's move on to the the first title fight of the evening: Aljamain Sterling and Peter Yan. I thought this was a really good, really competitive fight uh, until it wasn't. Um, and Peter Yan just uh, being a piece of shit, basically. Um, Aljamain Sterling was grounded. He had a knee on the ground. The referee, Mark Smith, said he's grounded, and then Jan just fires off an illegal knee anyway, basically knocking Aljamain Sterling out. Um, fuck anybody on the internet who says that Aljamain should have continued. That's just ridiculous. I've been kneed in the head accidentally uh, and and was almost put unconscious from it, like definitely dazed for a little bit. Um forget about a, a direct intentional knee like that. Now, if you want to have a conversation about how those knees should be legal, I'm open to that. But right now the rules are that they're not. So you can't do that. And you need to be aware of the rules that you're fighting under. You need to be listening to the official when he tells you uh, that your opponent is grounded. And it, it really sucks for Jan because he was running away with the fight anyway. Um, I had, I had the fight two to two at, at this point. One judge had Aljamain Sterling up on the cards and the other two had Jan winning. I don't really see how you justify Aljamain Sterling winning that fight at, at that juncture. I did score one and two for him. They were close rounds. And then three was definitely Jan's round. And then four, Jan was starting to run away with it where he had Aljamain hurt pretty bad. He had him pretty winded. Um, all he had to do is let him up, Jeff, and he could have kept outpointing him for another 30 seconds of that round, and Aljamain, uh, you know, would have barely been able to to get out there for the fifth round anyway. So he just basically threw his world championship away. And, you know, anyone can correct me if, if they want, but I believe this is the first time that a title has ever changed hands due to a disqualification, at least in recent memory. I can't remember it ever happening. Can you, Jeff? 
Uh, no, but Bill, um, I have a conspiracy theory. So hear me <laughs> okay. out. I think that Peter Jan bet that he would lose the title, and once he realized, Bill, that he was actually up three rounds to one on the card, I don't know uh, what that other judge was watching, but I had Peter Jan up three rounds to one. Uh, mm-hmm. I really only gave the first round to Aljo. After that, he was winded, <laughs> and Peter Jan was just piecing him up on the feet. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's just how I saw it. But I think Peter Jan realized, I am going to lose a ton of money if I win this fight. So you know what? Let me just finish it now. Take the winnings, go back to Russia, buy a nice piece of land, and <laughs> call it. That's it. All right. Interesting theory. I don't I don't think that's even close to what happened, but Bill, the referee told him he was downed. If if Peter Jan had done literally anything else, he would he would have been fine. He could have done yeah. nothing and just let Aljo stand up. And Bill, um, you know, I know that uh, that you know, don't get me wrong, man. Take nothing away from from Aljo. He is a really tough dude. Bill, the other day I sneezed the wrong way and I started seeing stars. All right, so <laughs> I I can't I, I I dude I would have I would have been on the floor just crying after a knee like that, man. Mm-hmm. Dude, that knee was vicious. It was right there. You know, yeah. um, right in the middle of, of his face, dude. Um, and, you know, they had to hold him up uh, as the referee was was calling the fight. Dude, he was in no – I was actually upset that they interviewed him. He was in no condition to mm-hmm. even process what had just happened. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so to anybody who says that, uh, that he should have kept fighting, uh, yeah, um, okay, by that logic – Actually, you know what? I don't even need to, to defend that point. Uh, anybody who says that that he should have kept going, listen, um, why don't you try taking a knee to the face or just jump from, like, the first floor of a building to concrete. Onto a fire hydrant. <laughs> right. And tell me how you feel after that. If you could get up after that, maybe I'll believe you. But you got to show me video evidence. I'm sorry, Bill. Yeah. But it's Probably just- Tony Ferguson could do it. Tony Ferguson might be the only person who can do this. But, I mean, even John Jones was giving him flack. And by that logic, John Jones should have lost the light heavyweight championship to Dominic Reyes. I mean, if we're being honest here. Uh, sorry, Bill. I went off I on thought John Jones. I thought John Jones defended Aljamain Sterling. Oh, did he? Yeah, oh. I think he did. He's, he said that, that Peter should have known the rules and that Aljamain earned the title. Oh, in that case, John Jones, you're off the hook this one time. We know you're listening, John Jones. You better, you better act correct. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So, Islam Makachev doing Drew Dober a favor by submitting him in the third round. He just, he just smothered him, man. This was, uh, you know, I, I can see the similarities to Khabib, one of his main training partners who has already anointed Makachev as the next champion. Um, Man, he presents all the same problems as Khabib and he's, he's maybe even a little bit more aggressive. Uh, I don't know what this lightweight division is going to do here, Jeff, because nobody at the top has been able to solve the puzzle of Khabib. Um, So how do you, 
you know, solve the puzzle of the more aggressive Khabib 2.0 here. Yeah, man. It's like Drew Dober was just not able to get anything off against Makachev. You know, the pressure was too much. He was in his face the whole time. Um, yeah. And like you said, uh, able to finish that third round. I mean, Bill, this is not someone that you want to be trifling with mm -hmm. if you're in the lightweight division. Yeah. And you could tell that Drew Dober, and I, I, I don't want to say he quit in there, but uh, that that choke wasn't fully locked in. I mean, Makachev was still in the far half, half far side half guard, which you know you can finish from there, but it doesn't put as much pressure on the carotid artery that's next to the arm um, because you need to get into mount or get on the opposite side of your opponent uh, in order to put that pressure. So, I mean, if you have an incredible squeeze, which I'm sure Makachev does, it's possible to finish from there, but. You know, if you if you put Drew Dober in that in the beginning of the fight, he wouldn't be tapping. He would he would have defended. You could tell he's just like, that's enough. Get this guy off of me. And I I don't blame him at all um, because it's it's suffocating that style. Um, and Drew Dober's a good fighter, man. He has good takedown defense. He has good grappling. He has good everything. Um, but he couldn't get anything going against Makachev. I, I was super impressed. Yeah, absolutely. And Bill, I think that his will just got broken. You know, I think he was just absolutely exhausted having to deal with the onslaught that Makachev was was bringing to him, man. Uh, huge credit to Makachev here because, like you said, man, Drew Dober is no walk in the park. For sure. Um, Alexander Rakich and Tiago Santos. Rakich getting a unanimous decision victory. What do you think of this one, Jeff? Um, Bill, I was a little bit, uh, the, the, the fight was not bad. Um, I could have seen it going for Tiago Santos. Um, but you know, it is what it is, but, uh, Alexander Rikic, man, he was talking a lot of smack at the end of this fight, Bill. Really? Um, yeah, he was saying how he was ready for the winner of, uh, Jan Blahovich versus, uh, Israel Adesanya and that, uh, if it's not global that uh, he could jump in the title picture. Um, Bill, I think he needs to slow down here. I mean, he just beat a guy who blew out both of his knees uh, <laughs> a little while back. So, um, Rikic, let's let's slow down a little bit uh, and, and group a little bit here. Yeah. Um, you know, Rikic has, has put together an impressive run. I mean, his only loss in the UFC is a split decision loss to Ozdemir. Um, 29 years old, Austrian, um, you know, very good fighter. Definitely not fighting for the title next. Um, and that's right. I think Glover uh, should get the next title shot. He, he made weight as a backup for this fight. Um, so, yeah, definitely give him a shot on uh, – you know, before he, before he retires, let him get that. Um, yeah, I don't have much on this fight. Good win for Rakich. Um, all right, Jeff, I'll let you take it away on this one. Your, your boy, Dominic Cruz getting the split Bill, victory Bill, over just Casey him, Bill, just give him the belt already, man. We listen, it's a foregone conclusion, Bill. Um, you know, he delivered, I don't know. What fight any one of these judges was watching, Bill? This was a split decision victory for Dominic Cruz, even though he dominated every facet of this fight. Mm -hmm. um, listen, Casey Kenny was talking about how he watched all this tape on Dominic Cruz. 
but Bill, it's different. You know, it's one thing to see the devil. Uh, it's one thing to uh, to call the devil. It's another to see him arrive, man. And Dominic Cruz, uh, one minute he was there, the next he wasn't. So Casey Kenny just not able to read that rhythm. Uh, you know, he landed a couple of things uh, in that first round, a couple of good leg kicks. They seem to slow down Dominic Cruz's movement. But then in that second and third round, once Dominic Cruz got his rhythm going and was able to read Casey Kenny a little bit, uh, I think it was all downhill from there for Casey Kenny. And, um, yeah, I think uh, Dominic Cruz, uh, you could tell that uh, that uh, he hasn't fought in a while. Uh, I, it felt like he was doing the right things, but sometimes uh, it felt like he was getting to where he wanted to go a little bit slower than usual. But yeah, Bill, just give him the belt already, man. I mean, uh, <laughs> we already know who the king of this division is, man, at 135. And his name is not Peter Jan, all right? Yeah, well, unfortunately, Jeff, that belt is Jan with the wind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was impressed with Dominic Cruz. I, I didn't see how one judge could have given it to Kenny. I was surprised to see how beat up Dominic Cruz was after the fight though. He was, his face was pretty banged up. Um, vintage Dominic Cruz performance, but he's definitely lost a step. Um, you know, I think that's fair to say. Uh, but even, even a step behind Dominic Cruz is, is several steps ahead. Most contenders in this division. So, um, you know, that footwork and that style, that evasive style that he has, um, has a shorter shelf life than someone who has a, a, a style of being a knockout artist or like a, a high level grappler. Um, but yeah, I thought Dominic Cruz looked really good. You, you okay, Bill went dark for a sec. Did I? Oh, well, well, I'm sure I didn't say anything that important. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh kind of, uh, Kyler Phillips impressive, uh, against Yadong song song. Yadong. Um, Askar Askarov just mauled Joseph Benavidez. I wish I could be impressed by him, but he missed fucking weight. Um, so, and he's like making the, he's making the belt sign. It's like, dude, you're fucking bantam weight to just beat a flyweight. <laughs> Like, what's, oh, what's the matter with you? Like, just fucking make weight. Just, it's half of your job. All you have to do is show up at a certain weight, and then you fight. There's only two things you have to do. Like, everything else is pretty much taken care of for you. They, they send all your food to your room. Like, you can have, you can be on a, a diet plan with the UFC where they, they give you the food that will put you on the weight you need to be at. I just don't understand what the excuse is anymore. Um, the weight cutting strategies are way more advanced than they used to be back, uh, when the UFC first started. And I don't remember this ever being an issue until the past few years. Um, it would be few and far between when a, when a fighter would, would miss weight. And, uh, Marfella says that Ascroft should have shaved off those extra pounds. Maybe he was waiting for daylight shavings before. <laughs> yeah. See, if he had had to wait see, if he had to make weight next week, it would have been fine. Because daylight savings <laughs> time would be over. All right, Jeff. I'll I'll uh I'll skim over the rest of these fights. A, a lot of these. There's 15 fights on this card, which is ridiculous. They started at five o'clock. Um, but 
tell me who impressed you the most. So Kai Kara France uh, getting the first round knockout over uh, Rogerio Batorin. Tim Elliott getting a unanimous decision over Jordan Espinosa. I thought Tim Elliott looked really good in that fight. Um, I, I thought he lost the first round because Espinosa's hands were so quick, but Elliott just smothered him after that. Uh, Kennedy and Jack. In Jekwaku, uh, second round knockout over Carlos Alberg. Uh, Sean Brady uh, submitted Jake Matthews, which was a surprise because Jake Matthews is a very competent grappler in the third round. Uh, Amanda Lemos, uh, first round TKO over Lavinia Souza. Then Euros Medic, unfortunately, knocked out Alon Cruz. Alon Cruz um, fights within within these Gracie Tampa networks here, trained cross-trained here a bunch. I believe he's out in Vegas right now, but uh, I was sad to see that happen to him. Uh, knocked out for the second time in a row. Uh, hopefully he's able to bounce back and, and still stay in the UFC because he is a very talented fighter. Um, Trevin Jones, second round TKO over Mario Bautista. So a lot of finishes uh, on these on these early prelims here, Jeff. What's sticking out to you the most? Bill, um, I was a little bit disappointed because I missed the whole early prelims. Uh, I was looking for them on ESPN Plus, and I couldn't find them. So ESPN uh, Plus, let's get it together here. Um, and, Bill, uh, I can't really speak on uh, the early prelims because I didn't watch them, unfortunately. And I definitely was not impressed by K. Cara France. Uh, but we can talk about it, Bill, because this fight, the ending sequence was a little weird. Mm -hmm. um, because Kai Kara France, uh, so uh, the fight ended with five seconds left in the first round. Bill Kai Kara France was getting the ponts beat off of him <laughs> <laughs> on the ground, right? <laughs> because um, Rogerio uh, Bonterin, uh was just having his way with Kara France on the ground. Man uh, was on his back uh, and had him i think mounted at one point uh but car france did a good job of fighting the hands off it looked like he was gonna get rear naked choke once or twice there but did a good job staying calm staying collected and then uh when they got back to the feet car france landed landed this uh really stiff right hand dropped uh bonterine but um it looked like Bontarine was still moving. He still had something left. And Kai Kara France kind of just ran away from him and uh, was running around with his arms raised. Um, but it didn't look to me like Herb Dean had stopped the fight mm -hmm. uh, until Kara uh, France looked back at him, saw Herb Dean standing over him, and then came back and, and was going to hammer fist him, to which uh, Bontarine got very, very upset about, actually threw his mouthpiece at him. Uh, but to me, it, it looked like it had not been stopped. Um, but then as uh, as he was coming in for the hammer fist, Herb Dean uh, kind of uh, told him that it was over. Uh, but yeah, just a really strange uh, ending sequence to that fight. I'm going to have to rewatch the end of that. I, I remember it was like a come from behind, like Car France was losing the fight. And then next thing I knew it was over and he had gotten a knockout, but I, I didn't really pay that close attention or, or watch the replay. So I'm going to have to go back and, and see that one again. And it's unfortunate for Rogerio Bontarine, but um, you know, on paper, it doesn't matter what happened for the first four minutes and 55 seconds of the fight, because 
you know, when people look up Kai Kara France's record, they're going to see a knockout victory over uh, Rosario Bontarin. All right, anything else on UFC 259 before we move on to uh, the next card we have coming up here, Jeff? No, Bill. Uh, this uh, this was overall really good card, really entertaining. Uh, glad for the glorious return of the only bantamweight champion, Dominic Cruz. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, so next week, UFC Fight Night 187, which has seen, you know, a lot of changes, uh, due to, to COVID and some other things. We had, uh, Kamzat Chemaev was supposed to fight Edwards a couple of times and then he retired, but then Dana White said he's not retired. And then, it, you know, maybe he's not retired or maybe he's going to fight in the summer. I don't know. I can't keep track with all this nonsense, Jeff. All I, all I know is who's, supposed to be fighting next week and that's Bilal Muhammad stepping up on short notice take on Leon Edwards they have identical records Jeff both 18 and 3 uh Bilal Muhammad of course coming off of that uh impressive performance but a hard fought fight um against Diego Lima so four fight winning streak for him so that fight was on February 13th this Upcoming fight will be on March 13th. So exactly one month from his last fight where he took a lot of damage to his lead leg to the low cap kick from Diego Lima. Hopefully that's healed up. Um, you know, a, a three round fight, but a hard fought three round fight going into a five round main event against a, a very dangerous Leon Edwards. Uh, but a Leon Edwards who hasn't fought in like a year and a half. So give me your thoughts on this main event here, Jeff, with all these, crazy circumstances we have bill i don't even know if this is going to be the main event the way it's going mm. the main event could end up being your boy eric andrews <laughs> versus darren stewart the way it's going it could be it, that wouldn't be a, a bad main event either that is a very exciting fight on this card yeah, but, but... <laughs> uh, assuming that Bilal muhammad and leon edwards does happen what, what what do you uh what do you think about this one Bill, I don't know, man. I mean, Leon Edwards, uh, the last thing I remember about him was getting punched in the locker room by, uh, what's his name? Um, Jorge Masvidal. Catching the three-piece and a soda, um, which normally, Bill, is 275, but Leon Edwards got it for free. So, um, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I can't really tell you anything about him. Bill, I didn't know who Leon Edwards was until Jorge Masvidal hit him. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but Bill, I, but Bill, I remember the name Bilal Muhammad. So um, I'm very right. excited. Bill, you know me. I love Bilal Muhammad. He brings a lot of pace. He's just an angry welterweight. And he shows it. And mm -hmm. this is what I love about him is that pace. You know, he's always chomping at the bit in your face and leaving you with no room to really uh, get the plan going. So either way, I think there's going to be a really exciting main event. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it's definitely an interesting stylistic matchup. Um, you know, Bilal Muhammad definitely has the conditioning to go five rounds, but, you know, you got to wonder how much that Diego Lima fight took out of him. And if Leon Edwards is going to capitalize, you know, he might have, he, he could have been spending the last few weeks just training that low calf kick because I can't imagine it's going to be fully healed. Um, 
you know, especially if he's got to get back to training, he's got to do road work and run and jump rope and everything he's got to do to make sure his conditioning stays on point for a five round fight. Um, definitely a lot of interesting variables there. Co-main event. Uh, this one could, uh, you know, very well be, um, declaring a future contender, Misha Serkinov and Ryan Spann. I think this is a really exciting fight, Jeff, that not a lot of people are talking about. So this is actually going to be my sleeper fight pick, the, the co-main event here. The Latvian Misha Serkinov, uh, who's just coming off of the uh, submission victory over Jimmy Crute. Actually, he's not just coming off of it. That was in September of 2019. So Misha Serkinov has not been very... Uh, not been very active. Maybe it. Go ahead, Jeff. What do you think about this one? Uh, sorry. Yeah, uh, that's true. Misha Shurganov has not been very active as of late, but Bill, um, he's been on a bit of a tear, man. He is uh, definitely someone uh, to keep an eye out, especially if you're Jan Blahovich. Um, I think that uh, Mitchell Shurkinov is definitely someone who's going to uh, cross paths with him it's probably sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, Jimmy Crude is no joke, man. He's a really tough dude, and he's uh, a capable grappler. So uh, very big feather in uh, Shurkinov's cap. And Ryan Spann, uh, no joke in this light heavyweight division either. So I think Jan Blahovich is going to be sitting at home with his baby, keeping a close eye on this co-main event here. Yeah, for sure. Serkinov, um submitted Jimmy Crew with that nice Peruvian necktie, by the way, which is, you know, typically not a a, a big man submission. You, know, you usually see smaller, lankier guys using that one. Um, so yeah, it's a fun fight. Serkinov uh, and Span are Eskimo brothers of a sort. They both uh, have knockout losses to Johnny Walker. I don't know if you call that Eskimo brothers. Um, you know, there might be another term for it, but. Let's go I with mean, that. Yeah, until somebody comes up with something else. But Bill, uh, Johnny Walker has also like injured himself celebrating. Mm. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know how proud I would be to share that statistic with someone. I mean, I don't think anybody would be proud to to say like, "Hey, my opponent got knocked out by the same guy that knocked me out." <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, not really bragging. Um, not really bragging potential there. Ben Rothwell against Felipe Lenz is on the main card. Bill, Ben Rothwell's the man. Listen, he has that sneaky jujitsu, man. Bill, Ben Rothwell is an underrated heavyweight. Sure, his record is not the best, but Bill, do not let his record fool you. He is quite. The grappler, he can hit pretty hard. Bill, I recall a certain uh, darn it, I can't remember his name. Who's that uh, heavyweight that you like, Bill? He he, uh, he tapped to Ben Rothwell. Uh, Josh he Barnett. Him. Yeah, there you go, Josh Barnett. If I recall, the last time they met each other, Josh Barnett was the one doing the tapping, despite being a great grappler himself. That's true. Ben Rothwell, he he got that ten finger guillotine on Josh Barnett, um, which is no easy feat, by the way. Yeah, this could be this could be a good fight, but it could not. Also, uh, Felipe Lenz coming off of two losses in a row. Ben Rothwell lost his last fight to Marcin Tabura. Um, so I 
I guess I get why they're on the main card. They're, you know, Ben Rothwell, I'm sure, has a big contract. They can't put him on the prelims. Um, all right. Manel, Manel Cape against uh, Mateus Perea. Uh Cape, I remember, had an impressive performance in his last fight, if I'm remembering correctly. No, he lost to Alexander Pantoja. So what was I thinking of? the? He had a... Oh, okay, so yeah, never mind. He didn't have an impressive performance. This is the guy who came from Ryzen and was knocking out everybody over there, and he came to the UFC and and danced around Alexander Pantoja for three rounds. So I, I'm not excited for this one unless the unless the cape who fought in Ryzen appears. Um, all right, here's my here's my real sleeper fight pick, Jeff Dan Ige and Gavin Tucker. And Gavin Tucker, I believe, is a uh, is stepping in on short notice here. Um, both guys have an incredible gas tank. Both guys super well rounded. Uh, both guys super overshadowed in this featherweight division. I feel like because it's just so stacked. Uh, give me your thoughts on this one. Uh Bill. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, who are the fighters? Was it Danny Gay and Gavin Tucker? Yeah. Oh, uh, dude, this one, I'm, I, I was actually looking at this one. I'm excited for it, man. Dan Ige is such a tough dude, man. And Gavin Tucker as well, both very well-rounded. Uh, Dan Ige, great jujitsu off his back. Um, Bill, um, actually, Bill, uh, I think I'm going to make this my call for the sleeper fight because I think this one could looked just because there's a little bit of star power in the main card but nonetheless i think this is going to win some type of award either fight of the night or performance of the night this one's going to be really good yeah well jeff if you listen to me introduce this fight i said that i was changing my pick for the sleeper fight to this one but i guess we can have the same one no i don't want to have the same one i gotta pick a different one um <laughs> Because, Bill, then it becomes this monotonous thing on the show where we just agree about everything. Yeah, um, we can't have that. Yeah. Um, Not Bill, up in here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bill, my pick for the sleeper fight is Ashley Angela Hill versus Ashley Yoder. Um, Angela Hill has been on a bit of a hot streak here in the women's strawweight division. Uh, you know, a lot of um, a lot of activity from her in 2020. Uh, I think she had like four or five fights in 2020. So I think uh, she's healthy. I think she's going to do really well against Ashley Yoder. Um, that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Ashley Yoder, very well-rounded. Um, and she's been making a bit of a splash as well in the women's strawweight division. Um, so, Bill, I think that if you are the champion at 125, uh, I think um, maybe we could be talking about a potential opponent for Valentina Shevchenko here uh, in the next couple of fights. Should be really interesting. Yeah. All right. Good pick. Angela Hill with a long layoff for her, I think, three months. <laughs> oh, dude. that's In her time, it must be like three years. Yeah. Um, the fight we skipped over, your boy Eric Anders against Darren Stewart. This is one of those fights, Jeff, that's either going to be like a really exciting first round that ends in a in a knockout for one of these guys or like a three-round, you know, 
like bigger guys just kind of hanging on each other and and pitter pattering. Um, so I'm hoping for the former on this one, but give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, it really depends on which Eric Andrews shows up, man, because we have seen him look phenomenal, but we've also seen him have his uh, fair share of lackluster fights. And Darren Stewart uh, is definitely going to be bringing it to him. He's not going to be backing up, and he is going to be in Eric Andrews' face, so we'll see how Andrews deals with that pressure. Um, but, yeah, Bill, uh, this should be a good fight for your boy. <laughs> for sure. Um, all right, I'm going to jump around a little bit here. Nasrat Hakparast facing the very unpredictable, unknown fighter. Uh, <laughs> and it's unpredictable because we don't know who it's going to be. Do you have uh, Hawk Paras' opponent on whatever site you're looking at, Jeff? Because SureDog has him against Unknown Fighter. Um, No, it's so funny because uh, I'm actually on the Wikipedia page, and it says uh, TBA for uh, Nasrat Hawk Paras, which uh, some of you fans may know him uh, as... Uh, mini Kelvin Gastelum, which is how I like to think of him. Um, not just because they look the same, but because uh, Hawk Prost, he has that forward pressure. Mm -hmm. So it'll be exciting, man, no matter who's sure. out of this. No, no opponent for Ricardo Ramos either, uh, but I believe they're very different weight classes, so I don't think they're going to get paired up. Uh, here's an interesting one, Jeff. For those uh, who are into grappling, Roddy Yaya against Ray Rodriguez. Um, Ronnie Yaya, one of the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners ever in MMA, uh, probably top 10, I would say, um, I would definitely put him on my list there. Just, he's one of these guys that came in as just a jiu-jitsu guy and, and wound up doing well, uh, you know, over 30 MMA fights for him. Rodriguez, a very good grappler as well. A lot of wins by submission got submitted by Brian Keller in his last fight though, 39 second guillotine. He just got caught in it his neck was dry um but i anticipate this will be a, a very technical grappling match here between these two um i'll give you another one here davy grant and jonathan martinez i think this is going to be an excellent fight on the prelims here uh another really long fight card 15 15 fights on this one as well but i i definitely want to try and tune in early to catch this davy grant jonathan martinez uh fight both of these guys are are very exciting young up and comers. Um, I'm looking up Jonathan Martinez real quick here. He uh, just coming off of the win against Thomas Almeida, and then uh, oh, that's a tough dude. That's a good win yeah. for him, man. Thomas yeah, Almeida's and no uh, joke. Davy Grant, tough fighter as well too. Champion in other organizations, I believe. Um, let's take a quick peek at what he's been up to. Um, so he only has four losses, all of them by submission. Uh, so he's going to look to keep this one standing, which is where, uh, Martinez prefers things as well, but I know he's uh, a good game planner. Um, yeah, Davy Grant, uh, a knockout victory over Martin day in his last fight in July. Uh, anything else on this fight night? 187 cards jumping off the page. See you, Jeff. Um, no, just that Martinez versus Grant fight sounds really good. Uh, now that you mentioned that he beat Martin Day, uh, 
a little while back. I remember really enjoying that fight. I think we spent a good amount of time talking about it on the show. Um, but yeah, I remember that one being really, a really, really enjoyable fight. Bill, this card top to bottom looks really good considering that there it's not on pay-per-view. There are no belts on the line. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think March is going to be a very fun month for us, the MMA community and fans. Um, I'm excited, man. Uh, I can't wait to talk about uh, what we got coming up in the UFC in March. Um, what was I going to tell you? But yeah, Bill, I think there's going to be one to tune into. I love so many fights on the card. Uh, you know, if there are 15 fights, I imagine about three of them might get canceled. Uh, you know, just uh, bad luck, uh, maybe some COVID stuff. Um, yeah, I think that's the anticipation of the UFC. Like, they're kind of, they're kind of trying to plan around fights getting canceled. But, you know, then if they don't, then it's a, it's a, fucking 19 hour card <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bill, um, did, any, did any uh did any fights get canceled last night because i felt like i went to sleep i felt like the card was over at like 2 a.m it was it, it was really late um which which i hated obviously and uh because i had to i had to still go home from i was watching the fight at the gym so i was you exhausted. Slept on the mat. i should have I should have, but, um, alas. And, uh, of course my daughter s- stayed up really late last night cause she was at the gym for a little bit. And then, um, my wife took her home, uh, put her to bed pretty late, but she'll wake up at the same time every day. Anyway, doesn't matter how late she stays up. She's just got like this internal alarm clock that never fails. Um, yeah. So fun fight card. One thing I forgot to mention, uh, Jeff, when I was going over my, you know, good things happening to good people, uh, diatribe in the beginning of the episode was, um, our, our friends at team Reaper, uh, just signed their 100th fighter. Uh, they now have 101 fighters, um, you know, under their banner. Uh, wearing the Team Reaper gear, a lot of local fighters, uh, UFC, Bellator, bare knuckle boxing, uh, they're all over the place in the combat sports world, and it's great to see them grow. Um, so definitely go check out their gear and their merchandise at reaper1.co. Of course, you can get yourself an MMA on the Rocks t-shirt, hoodie, or tank top, um, which I don't even have one of the tank tops yet, Jeff, so... Um, you know, be one of the many people to own it uh, before me and Jeff. Jeff doesn't have one either. So <laughs> go ahead and check out our friends at Team Reaper, reaper1.co. I'll put the link to all the MMA on the Rocks merchandise in the show notes. As always, make it easy for you guys. You can use promo code MMARocks10. Save some money. That's MMARocks10. Uh, Jeff, anything else you want to get off your chest, my friend? Yeah, just a big thank you to Team Reaper for for working with us and making the awesome gear and t-shirts. And, Bill, I'm glad that they have some Bellator fighters. Now I have a reason to watch Bellator. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I ran into the owner of, of Team Reaper um, yesterday. Actually, I was talking to him for a little while and, uh, you know, tell me about all of his successes and, 
and everything with the company and the new fighters he's he's pursuing got some big things on the horizon and he was wearing some new gear that i was kind of uh i was kind of jealous of jeff i might have to get my hands on it uh they got some they got some new hats coming out um and uh possibly a few other items that i don't know if i'm at liberty to talk about but uh definitely some really cool stuff that i'm looking forward to so uh go check out our friends team reaper there give them a follow on social media as well it's uh at at reaper one i believe um so that's it uh we'll call it here jeff we're just slightly over our uh usual one hour uh limit that we try to cap ourselves off at um but fun episode nonetheless um I was glad to start the episode off with a lot of positivity and, and good news for a lot of good folks. And um, if you have some good news you want to share with us, you can do so on social media. You can get a hold of Jeff at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the rocks everywhere on the internet. You can send me an email, MMA on the rocks at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, that's it. Let us know what you guys are thinking and drinking out there. Thanks for tuning in. As always, uh shares likes comments all that good stuff greatly appreciated even criticism and feedback we'll take it all uh let us know what you don't like so we can try and fix it or tell you to fuck off all right until next time cheers everybody bye <laughs>